Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. All the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. David reflects in verse 3, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man, this is what he considers, this is his thought, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Other translations say, care for him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast madest him to have dominion over the works of thine hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the pass of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Amen. God bless you for standing. Thank you for standing in honor of the word. You can be seated. Amen. I want to talk this morning about the excellence of the name of God. Now, I know I understand I'm talking to apostolic believers and we understand the prominence, the place that the name of the Lord holds for us and in the word of God. But let me kind of start this way. What do you know about your name? Does your name have some type of special meaning? Does your name provide uh, some type of definition for your life purpose? Or is it simply a combination of letters that represent you to the community around you? Amen? How many of you understand something about your name? Anybody ever got mad about their name? I don't know why my mom called me that. I think I've told you this before. My name is Jeffrey Wayne Roberts. But that was not my original name. My mother changed my name. And my grandfather went to his grave still mad at her. I was originally named in the hospital Jess Willard Roberts III. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> but we look at names, right? And and we think of those things, and people are like, really? Is that true? That's a true story. My grandfather told me, he said, yeah. he said, I almost got to the place where I could forgive your mother for that, but I never really got there. And so when, when someone hears your name, do they truly get an understanding of who you are? Historically, names have, or they have that unique ability to identify, to summarize, and to define the existence of a person within the context of one word. That one word will define you and me as a person. Jeff, Patrice, Valerie, Steve. doesn't matter that name. When we say that name, we recognize, and, and certainly there are, we have to say which Jeff or which Steve or which Paul, right? We have to look around because we may have multiples of those names, right? And so we have to understand. But when we can recognize what that name is calling for, we we, uh, we ascribe to that the attributes of that person. And so, however, when we talk about the name, there, there has to be some type of 
you know, personal encounter with your name, right? That, that's what we're talking about here. So if you don't have a personal encounter with someone and all you know is their name, any, any name droppers in the room? I didn't think you'd raise your hand, but I'm sure there are some, right? But, you know, you, you drop the name because you met someone, but you, don't, you met them, you don't know them, right? And so w- what happens, if you, if you really want to, if you want, really want to know someone, you've got to have a personal encounter. If not, the name is merely a, a symbol or an arrangement of arbitrary sounds that you can put whatever you want to with it. And so, but if you really want to know a person, you, you not only have to know their name, but you got to get to know that person, their personality, and you got to figure out some things about their nature. And so throughout Scripture, God's true presence and God's character is revealed in the meaning of different specific names that are given to us. And so each of these revelations, uh, they identify a specific and often different aspect of his divine nature. Now from a, a high-level perspective, and many of you are, are very astute with the Word of God, and you understand this. If you stepped back in Scripture, and, and I'm going to talk about this and show you what I'm talking about, and looked at the different revelations of the name of God throughout Scripture, and each one of those had a character trait with it, it's an amazing, just, just looking at that is amazing all by itself. Uh, there was the revelation of El, which was, you know, you know God, and El, Elohim, and then it was El Shaddai, the mighty God, and, and Elion, the most high God, and then you would find progressively through scripture there was Adonai which meant Lord and then there was the introduction of Yahweh which again meant Lord and then there was Jehovah and then we have all of the 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 the, the variants Jehovah Jireh you know right the Lord is our provider Jehovah Nissi God is our banner Jehovah Rapha God is our healer and all of these were revealed at a specific time and place when a need arose right there was Jehovah Imkadesh God is our sanctification or Jehovah Shalom Certainly our world needs the God of peace right now. And even Jehovah Sidkenu, God is our righteousness, all the way through the point, the New Testament, where the angel overshadows Mary and says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah has become our salvation. And so all of the combined attributes of that one name, Jesus, all of those things that we talk about throughout the Old Testament revelation are combined in that one name. And so this revelation identifies not only his presence, but his activity in the lives of his people. Aren't you so glad that we can call upon the name of Jesus and every attribute and activity and characteristic of a mighty God is encompassed in that name, right? right? You know, and so when we look at that, the problem for us as believers is that many times, we know the name, right? But we're not fully aware of the nature connected to the name. How many of you think you know the person sitting next to you? Be honest. Okay. Brother, Brother May, probably pretty good bet, okay? Y'all been married a couple of minutes here. Brother Peoples is shaking his head, no, no, I, 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 yeah, okay. The truth is, there are things hidden within the heart of every person that we don't know, right? Now, Brother Roberts will tell you, and I'm not picking on my wife, I love my wife very much, but I tell people this, honestly, because it's my, pers- my perspective, that is the fourth woman I've been married to, and they all look the same and have the same name. <laughs> I, and I'm not being mean to her, she knows I'm talking about, I've, t- I've said this to her, I, I believe this, I believe that women are unique, in the, and I'm sure us men are that way, but I, haven't, I don't have the same perspective of men, I believe that women are decade creatures, 
Now, some of you men are like, you're like scared to death right now to even blink your eyes. Like, okay? I believe that God created that, that woman, that covering for man, and made her a decade creature. And every decade, she's a completely different person. The sweet girl that I married became a mother. She completely changed, right? And then that thing happens that no one ever wants to see happen that will change your perspective on life forever. When she becomes a mature woman, you don't ever want to see that. The conversation starts, are, are you hot? No, but I got something in the garage I got to do. I learned really quick I need to find another location. Well, here's a laugh now. It's coming. I love you, brother. But it, it's, it's a part of life. I, I tell that story. Old men don't have any fear because once you witness a, a, a great lady go through the change of life, nothing else on this earth will scare you. <laughs> Old men, don't, they don't get scared. They don't run. They just, they just kind of look at it. Danger, you got a gun? Okay, it's just a gun. I've seen a lot worse than that. <laughs> a knife? <laughs> yeah, okay. Get him, honey. But we really don't know someone until we have an experience with them. And David had an experience with God, right? And so all of these attributes that were part of the nature of God were begin to be revealed throughout the time and throughout Scripture. And there are such incredible revelations of his nature and of his characteristics, right? But one of the things I want to point out is that each one of these one attributes and characteristics, each of them had a specific purpose. Beyond just revelation, they carried with them divine weight, right? What do you mean, Brother Roberts? I mean they mattered, okay? Not just to the person or to the people that it was revealed to, uh, revealed to but those same attributes, they matter to us. They carry that divine weight. Why? Because attached to each of God's revealed names. And I, I, you know, kind of get, I'm not going to go deep into the weeds of the revelations of the names of God today, but attached to each one of those are some specific character traits. And there are some specific promises. And then there are even some meanings and all of those things help us. And so unless I fully understand them and know what they represent, then I run the risk. Now listen to me for a moment here. I run the risk of not accessing it to the full potential. How many of you got Samsung phones or some uh, off-brand? Any got phones other than Apple? Okay. All right. Well, we're all praying for you. But, <laughs> but I mean, well, I, I, somebody told me I needed one of those phones, you know, a long time ago. And they said, oh, it can do so much more. And I had that phone for several years, and it didn't do anything more. It wasn't that the phone wasn't capable I just didn't want it to do any more than what my Apple does, right? And, and so sometimes we understand there's a capability, but we don't use it, right? You know, I, I heard a story about a guy who had a, had a stove one time, and he only cooked on one burner, old eccentric guy, had lots and lots of money, and the burner that he cooked on went out, and he called the repairman. And he said, I need you to fix this because I can't cook. And the repairman said, um, sir, there's three other burners on the stove. He said, I don't care, I use that one. And you're like, oh, hey, that's a silly old man, right? But sometimes when it comes to the nature of God, we're the same way. 
We only access that one burner, and there's so much more that God has for us, right? And we, we kind of miss that. And so what we're talking about here in Psalms 8, David declares that there's an almighty God who has created everything and that his name, he, he sandwiches but in verse 1 and verse 9, he says that your name is excellent. Other, other renderings say your name is majestic in all of the earth. And so I want to talk about the majesty of the name. And, and I want you to really understand some things about David. David didn't have the revelation that we have. Let me give you some perspective as I kind of step back and look at this. David's talking about the name, and, and I know I know the name of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus. David never heard the name Jesus spoken in his lifetime. There were revelations that I talked about that David never heard. He only heard those things which fit up to his timeline. And David steps back and said, in all the earth, your name is excellent. Your name is majestic. And so when we start talking about something is majestic, we're saying it exhibits or it has some majesty. And majesty really is that place where we describe magnificence or we describe grandeur or we talk about greatness or splendor, uh, some splendor of quality and character. And so what makes this particular psalm probably unique from other psalms is that David, the author of this psalm, never calls the reader to actually do anything. Now, it's unique because if you read through most songs, you'll say, let us, or come let us, or they that do, and there's, there's some kind of action attached to most psalms. But in this one, he simply ends this psalm, he begins and ends this psalm by declaring how excellent, how majestic, and how kingly God's name is in all the earth. And so he didn't have that revelation we, we have. And so let me quickly get into three aspects of the majesty of the name of God. So verse 1 and I'm going to go verse by verse through, through this. David said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And he stops right there and he says, Who has set thy glory above the heavens. The, most, the, the first significant thing that I want to pull out of this is that the name, that God's name, no matter which name that you're using, which iteration, Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, Jesus, doesn't matter. It's always connected with God's glory. Why? Because David says this. David tells us that, that the, he, says, he says, I want you to understand it's connected to the heavens. He says, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Now, the same word is used for excellence and glory. They're, they're kind of interchangeable throughout Scripture. And so while these different translations are moving around, he said, I want you to understand something. The majesty of God covered the heavens. Now, for, for what, what, what does that mean to us? You know, we live on the East Coast, and it's not as great, but if you were to go maybe out west or, or the far north and get away from all the city lights, and you look up into the sky, anybody ever been there? You've been out in the mountains, and you look up at the sky, and you see all those bright, brilliant stars, right? They're just twinkling away. Those are literally the majesty of God. They're, they're, they're his great work. They're, they're the majesty of God. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalms 19 and 1. He said, the heavens declare... Other translations say the heavens announce or the heavens proclaim the glory of God. And so, you know, the firmament, that's the part we live on, the earth, showeth his handiwork. I, I kind of like that, you know. How many of you, how many of you do work? That's good. Get a job, pay bills, pay taxes, which you ought to be doing, right? Not sitting at home collecting a check. I'm sorry, Brother Roberts, move off that. Okay. But 
He said the heavens declare, right, his majesty, but the firmament where we live, that's his handiwork. Now, wives, I'm asking you a question. How many of your husbands are handy? They can do stuff. That, right? Your husband's handy, right? Okay. Some of y'all looking around like, well, my husband ain't got none of that. Okay. God has got handiwork. Just, I mean, think of the majesty that it takes to create the universe, right? All of that, all of that majestic, all of that grandeur, all of that. We don't often sit and think about all that God has done. Oh, yeah, God created the heaven and earth. What does that mean, God created the heavens and the earth? The earth is in the heavens, right? And so God created all this. And so, but where we live, that's just his handiwork. That's what he's doing on the side. That's just what he likes to do. That's what he's tinkering with. It's like the old car in Brother May's garage that he's working on. You know, it's, it's, it's his favorite project. And so think of it in those terms. And so when we start talking about this, the single and sole purpose of everything in creation is to magnify and declare the beauty and the glory of God. Everything. Right? And you've heard me say this before. Every tree that I know of, okay, well, most of them grow upwards, right? right? The, the leaves grow up, right? And then to the weight holds them down. But here's the thing that I find about the heavens when I'm think, talking about this, this, this idea the heavens are not idolatrous in any respect. They, it, they indeed exist for glory, but only for His glory, not their own. That's what separates humanity from creation, right? Sometimes, right, we exist for our glory. Everybody's like, oh, not me. I ain't raising my hand. Okay. But that's really the truth. But, you know, those, those majestic sunrises and those wonderful sunsets, they're there so that we can savor the glory of God. Every day, think with me, every day, the sun rises right on time. Every evening, whether you want it to or not, the sun sets exactly on time. That motion of the earth going around the sun, right, and the moon, or all, all of these things that are happening, the, the tide and the wind and the waves, all of the motion that God has set in perfect order. Now, I've got a, I've got a great clock in my house that chimes every hour. It's kind of annoying, right? And, and you know, that clock, every, every once in a while, the battery runs down. And i got to pull that stupid thing off the wall, and i got to find a C battery. Who even sells C batteries? And I got to go find a battery, Brother Jones. And I got to put a battery in that clock and put it up there and reset it. And it goes ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, 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 ding, ding dong, dong. And it drives everybody crazy, right? And it's good for a couple of months. And then I got to replace it. You know what? God has never replaced the battery. David said, This is why your name is so great in the earth, because it's attached to your glory. And so if we can understand that, right? You, you know, when you go to a zoo, Anybody ever been to the zoo? Like, listen, I, when I get to heaven, I don't have a lot of questions, but I got a couple. I, the platypus is a question. God, what were you thinking? I, I'm not being critical. I just really, I mean, inquiring minds want to know, what in the world is the purpose of a platypus? That is the dumbest, ugliest looking thing I've ever seen. I, oh, Lord, I'm sorry I said I wasn't going to be critical. I just don't understand it. I don't get it, right? But, you know, there when you go to the zoo and you go in there and you look at all these different animals and see how everything's right, and, you, and it takes more faith to believe that all of this happened on accident 
than it does that an almighty God can speak it into creation and put it perfectly in motion. It takes a lot more faith to believe the lie than it does the truth. And, and so that's what we see. The first part of God's glory is that the heavens show his majesty. But the second part of that David talks about in verse 2 when he says, out of, the, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. Now he's still talking about the name. He sandwiched this whole thing about the excellent name. And so what's he talking about here? He says, listen, we're going to see the glory of God in our helplessness. So we see the glory of God in the majesty and the enormity of the heavens and all that God has created. But we're still going to see the glory of God when you're absolutely helpless and have no way to make Make, make do, right? That's where you're going to see it. David's point is one that we understand really well, right? He's established a stronghold from the mouths of children and infants. Now, I wish Pastor was in here and we had a, and we had a baby. I, I, I'd hold that baby up and then let Pastor pull one of them guns up, you know, and I'd say, which one would you rather have, right? Okay? The truth is, you can, I don't have to do that. You get the picture, right? Okay? Which one spends the most time in the gym, Okay, uh, understanding that, right? You, you, you kind of grasp that, right? But here's, God can use the strength of an infant to overcome the great might of an army if he chooses to do so. That's where we need to understand the glory of God. What are you talking about? How is this ascribed to his name? Why? The Bible's full of these examples. Abraham was an old man and a proven failure. Him and Sarah were proven failures. I mean, they've been trying for 90 years, right? And it ain't happening, right? And so here, David was a teenage boy. And all he had was a slingshot and beat up on the biggest giant there was. Moses was a stutterer, stumbler, living on the backside of a desert. And he walks up to the most powerful man on earth and said, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, who's God? that I should listen to him. And Moses said, let me show you a few tricks. You get what I'm talking about here. When David is ascribing the majesty of the name of God, he said, you can't escape the glory. And sometimes we think of glory as a normity, of massive, of something great. But it, the glory of God is found in the smallest of things, right? In the New Testament, that little unwed mother by the name of Mary who allowed the Holy Ghost to overshadow her and submitted to an unwanted pregnancy and scorn and ridicule, changed the world. Now, if I were doing it, if I were God, I'd be like, yep, we're going to get this big army, we're going to go, we're going to march and say, this is the line, y'all toe the line or you're out. That's how I'd do it if I was God. But God said, no, no, I'm going to have a little baby and we're not going to do anything proper Think about what I'm saying. I'm trying to challenge you in your mind. David said, how excellent is your name? And you've got a reputation. When we look at the name of God, it's not just God. See, I'm around people all the time, and they say God this and God that, and they use other adjectives to go along with it. They don't understand. But when I say or you say the name Jesus or we ascribe something to God, it ought to have a different meaning. When David looks at this, he says, how excellent how powerful, how enormous, how mighty is the name. He sandwiches it in there because, one, he sees the greatness of the universe, and then he says the glory of God can be something super great or it can be something so insignificant. Now, tell me, if you had to save the world, would you start with an infant in a manger? 
No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't either. That's why he's God and we're not, right? And so uh, if I was building a church, I wouldn't start with some rough old, Peter, old, old fisherman named Peter. I'd be like, man, this guy's a wreck, man. Let's move on. Number two, we'll send me another candidate. <laughs> Pete, dude, I love you, man, but come on. You know, cussing and denying and, you know, cutting off ears. I thought we were beyond all this, Pete. Let's move on, right? But yet, we understand in the, in the big picture of God what glory God uses him to preach the greatest message ever preached. Imagine that, right? And so his glory is not most visible in, our, in, in your cunning or in your strength, but in your weakness and in your dependence upon him. The majesty of an almighty God is revealed in every aspect of your life and every aspect of my life every time I have to and I get to depend upon him. David's talking about the excellence of his name. And so if I, you'll say, well, that's his name or her name or their name. And we, we look, oh, man, they're awesome. Oh, they're great. Oh, they're wonderful. What? But when we say the name of the Lord, right? We sing that song, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, right? David understood that because that was part of his time. He would, he would go on to write those words. He understood that, but he was ascribing something that everybody didn't get. A lot of people didn't understand. They would just say, oh, you know, God this and God that. But they didn't ascribe the, the greatness of his majesty or the ability that he had in the obscure things. Paul understood this. Paul understood some things that I hope I never understand. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. He said, I therefore take pleasure in my infirmities. Uh, Paul, let's have a conversation, Paul. We, we need to talk about this. Another translation said, I delight in my weaknesses. I take pleasure in my weaknesses. Paul, I haven't quite got there yet, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not really working on that one yet. But Paul understood this. Why? He said, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses. Notice what he says there, for Christ's sake. We like that part, when I'm weak, then am I strong, right? Because that's about us. But he said, all of that stuff that I went through was for the sake. You know what the sake is? That's for the glory of God. We're talking about the glory that's ascribed to his name. And sometimes we want to see the glory. We'd love it. Everybody say, we got the name. We'd put it on the outside of our building if we thought it would draw people in. But the truth is, people go to church every day and they don't understand, Brother Silvati, the significance of God's name like we do. They don't understand all of those revelation after revelation, those, those points after points where God revealed and gave them something that helped them in that specific time. And so that's why when we look at the Bible and, and the Bible says, they that call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved, they shall be delivered. And we take that so much for granted. Oh yeah, they that call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be delivered. They that call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Yeah, we're, we're good. We can quote it, but do we really understand it to the level that David understood it. Writing this psalm, this unique psalm, this little piece of psalm that talks about these great things. The second one that I would bring to you this morning is found in verses 3 and 4. He says, I consider the heavens. David said, I'm, I'm looking at this, God. I'm looking at the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've ordained. And, and then he gets to verse 4. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him. What, what, what is, and the son of man that thou visitest him or carest for him. 
So think about this. David said, I'm, I'm stepping back from this, and I'm, I'm looking at that glory and that majesty and all that stuff that you have. And so this dilemma that I have is that if you created all of that, and you look at this wreck of humanity, be honest, right? This sin-filled, wrecked-out humanity, why would you even care about us? And he comes to that conclusion, or the conclusion that he's, that he's talking about there, he's talking about the love of God. He's talking about this. So what makes his name great is his majesty and his glory and all of his excellence, right? But what also makes the name of the Lord great is his love. And so he says this. He says, when I consider what you've done, when I consider, Lord, what you're capable of doing, I, I begin to think about me and my life and my insignificance and who I am and what I am. And David is stunned by the beauty and the vastness of God's world. But what, why? Why would you consider, why would you care about us as humanity? Why would you even take the time to think about it? I mean, I get that, right? He said, right? He said, he said man, heaven is your, is, your, is your majesty, but this firmament, this is just your handiwork. Why do you take the time to get into your life? Now, some, from a purely natural aspect, it would appear that God has more, more love and certainly more care for humanity than we have for ourselves. When you look at it from, a, 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 from that aspect, I mean, after all, you know, the, the heavens, right? The heavens didn't rebel about, against God, the, right? The, the heavens are not antagonistic with, with their creator, right? The, they're not. But, but humanity has a record of being so. And here's what Psalms 128 or 121 and verse 8 says. He says, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this, from this time forth and even forevermore. Now, notice this. Another, another translation says it this way. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I thought, okay, wait a minute. Does God really watch over me continuously? Does he really? I mean, how is this even possible, right? I mean, I, I can't put a, a mental model of this scope of this assignment. God's watching everything that I do, right? God's watching whether you're on your phone right now, whether you're listening to me. Or... That's helpful, isn't it? God's watching whether you're on Facebook or Instagram or you're taking notes. Thank you, Lord. Watch closely. <laughs> Anybody ever heard of the app called RunKeeper? No, Pastor, I thought maybe might have it. I don't know, right? But someone showed me this app, and the app literally tells runners, of which I am not one, Unless there's a buffet nearby. <laughs> How far they've run. It gives them the average time per mile, their overall time, down to the second. It graphs their, their elevations. It shows an overview on a map of exactly where you've run. And, and, and if someone even pulled up their, 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 their app and showed you their run history, you'd see maps of beaches and mountains and all kinds of locations and terrains all around the world. But here's, here's what's more amazing. When you look at this simple app that you can put on a phone, it not only tracks and records their location, it does it for over 10 million people at the same time. Now, think about this. If humans can invent a piece of technology to track the steps of 10 million people around the world simultaneously, is it really a big stretch to believe that God can track what you're doing every day? 
seven, eight, nine billion. I don't know. Okay, is it really right? And so, listen, uh, this, you know, I would, I'm going to have to step out on a limb and say that God is su- even superior in technology than our sound guys. I mean, he does everything he does with excellence. He's above all, right? He's near. But the Bible says he's closer than we think he is. If you slip back a couple of verses in Psalms 121 and 5, here's what he said. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon your right hand. And I thought, wait a minute, what's the shade on the right hand? What are we, the same word for shade throughout the Bible is used for shadow, shelter, and protection. And so I'm getting this mental concept of God's ability or capacity to watch and to track my coming and my going, not just now, but forevermore. God's ability is so great, they had to invent a word because we don't use forevermore. Well, honey, would you like some tea? Yes, forevermore, dear. Never ask me that question again, honey, because I always want a glass of tea if you're going to get it for me, right? Some of your husbands are like, your wife gets you stuff to drink when you get there, right? But listen, I look at my life and I'm thinking, you know, why would God want to do this? I mean, most of my days would make an insomniac fall asleep. I mean, you know, it's like my, my routine and my little to-do list, you know, and I, I mean, I, I'm in my mind, I can't see how this possibly is a good use of divine creator's time. I can't see how God would want to waste his time tracking my movement, right? I mean, I'm not moving nearly as fast as I used to. I'm not doing as much as I used to, right? And so, but if you look at the Bible, it's not hard to find because it's, it's stamped on every, almost every page of Scripture. God is watching over you. He's looking at where you're going, what you're doing. Why? He's talking about the name, right? And he's ascribing, David says, David said, I considered the heavens, I looked at your handiwork. I I looked at all that you're doing, and I thought to myself, what about man? Why are you concerned with us, bunch of knuckleheads? Brother Roberts, you're being mean to us. Be honest with yourself, okay? Why would God track you, your activity around every moment of every day and know exactly where you are at all times? Why would he do that? Why? Because he loves us that much. I believe that he put the stars and the sun and the motion of the universe. I believe he put it in motion and he stepped away from it. He knows it's perfect. He can walk away from it. But he's out there, Sister Jones, watching what you did yesterday and this morning and the day before. And he knows what. We're talking about the name. And I told you, you got to understand, it's one thing to know the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's one thing to know the name of the Lord has great power and ability. But what about, what about this attribute of the name that David's talking about? Why are you mindful of man? I began to look at these nine verses in this psalm and say, wait a minute, the excellence of the name, the excellence of the name, and all the stuff in the the middle. I get the glory piece. Yes, absolutely. God's got great majesty, and he can do it with the greatness, or he can do it with the smallest, the most subtle thing. But why are you considering humankind? If it were me, I'd just turn on the news. You could pick whatever flavor you want and go, had enough of that. Let's move on. Start over. God got to that place one time. Get out of the way, Moses. I'm going to kill them all. Moses said, hold on, God. Don't do that. Why? Why is God concerned about you and concerned about me? Why? Because it's ascribed to his name. Because his name is so great. That's what Moses tells God. God says, wait a minute. Hey, God, you got a reputation. What? 
If you kill them all, you won't be known as the loving God. That's what he says in so many words. You won't be known as the loving, merciful God. You'll be known as the God who has no mercy and killed them all. And God stepped back and said, you know what? You're right, Moses. That's the character of my name. And so this is what you need to know and I need to know when you start talking about the ex- how many, the, the love of God is so great and so powerful and so mighty and so enormous that we can't even, we can't even conceptualize it. I have a hard time looking at the heavens. I can only see so many stars. I can only see so much motion. I can't look at that baby and see the greatness and glory of God that God could use that child to defeat an entire army. I can't imagine that in my mind. But David says, I, I can't imagine God. Why? Why you would consider humankind. Why you would even take the time to deal with us. Why you would even take time out of your divine day to deal with us. But listen, we know what the Bible says, right? It's Psalms 139, 1 through 3. Oh Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Here's what he says. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. He saw you sit down in church. He saw you fall asleep. <laughs> thou understandest my thought afar off. God, you know I didn't want to be here this morning, but I came just so Pastor wouldn't call me. <laughs> Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. You know all my little routines and how I brush my teeth and pick my butt whatever I'm picking every day. And God knows it all, and he's acquainted with every bit of it. Jesus said it this way. He said, therefore, take no thought. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we? All these things are what the Gentiles are seeking. He says, he says, but for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Brother Barry, this is easy to understand, but it's hard to grasp. It's difficult to grasp that the one true God the creator of heaven and earth, the lover of souls, right? This great, big, mighty God loves me enough and cares about me enough to know every intricate detail of my life. From my perspective, man is a flea. Our lives are a temporary speck on the canvas of history, a visit to the beach. I'm that, I'm, you and I are that grain of sand, right? The, the fact that God should take time out of, I'm sure, his busy schedule staggers me. The mere fact that he cares about me should move my heart to a place of praise. It should move my mind to a place of exaltation, right? He had every right to leave us in our sin. Nobody could have blamed him, right? But he chose to set his love upon us. He chose to make us his own, right? Listen, a lot of people, a lot of good people struggle with the love of God. We either think God can't love us or we think that God has to love us. But biblically, neither one of those are true. He chooses to love us. He doesn't have to. He chooses to, right? He had no obligation, yet he, he absolutely, right, he chose to love us, right? And so it shouldn't matter, right? It shouldn't matter to us. Listen, God loves us so much. How did that affect David? David starts with the excellency of his name. But when he gets down to that bottom part, he goes back. He says, listen, your name is so great. And sometimes we say, oh, man, in the name of the Lord, or we pray in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Lord, and we're not really grasping the enormity of what we're talking about. Because when you bring the name of the Lord, and people bring it, you know, blank this and blank that and 
blank, you know, they use it in the right in vain. Right? We're commanded not to. We understand that. But when people do that, they don't understand what they're playing with. But we, as the people of God, need to understand that when we bring the name into any circumstance, we're bringing the creative power of the universe. We're bringing the greatest ability of an almighty God that by might or by little, no matter how we ascribe to it, God can do anything. And sometimes we struggle so much with that. And then we turn around and we look at the enormity of God and we say, oh, God can't love me. Not true. Or we think God has to love me. Not true. The only thing that's true about the love of God is he chooses to love you in spite of you. But the third one that David brings out in verse 5, thou hast made him, right? He's talking about mankind a little lower. He's talking about us. David now he goes from this enormity of majesty and all the greatness of God and the love of God. And he says, thou hast made him a, a little lower than the angels. Tell your neighbor, you're a little lower. Some of y'all thought that was funny and some of y'all that grated against immediately. But don't forget the next part of verse 5. He says, he's made him a little lower than angels. But David doesn't stop there. And has crowned, he's talking about humanity, and has crowned him with glory and honor. Now, we know what the Bible says. You should know. Most of us do. Genesis chapter 1, God created man, verse 28, put him in the garden and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth on the earth. Now, most commentators rightly ascribe this to David in verses 5 through 8, what he's talking about there. And, and they give him this. Why? Because the, the image bears out the same. And, and we understand that the fall... At the fall, the dominion that God gave to humanity, that gave to Adam and Eve, was, was ruined, and, and dominion and rule was taken. And it's clear. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to look in our world and see that we're not truly ruling over our world. We're not, we don't have dominion. There's chaos. There's pain. There's death. There's all this stuff. I, I, I was doing some research on some of this, and one commentator said it this way. I thought it brought some perspective. He said this, in sin... People attack, evade, or ne neglect their divine calling. He said these images of this, uh, of this uh, attacking, evading, or neglecting, these, these and other images suggest a deviance when it's familiar. Even when it's familiar, sin is not normal. Even when it's something we do every day, sin is still not normal. And, and so in other words, what he's saying this is this is not the way it's supposed to be. God didn't create humanity to live in this chaotic, crazy world that we're living in today, right? And if you think it can't get any crazier, I tell you, sweetheart, hang on. I, I believe it's going to get worse. And you've heard me say this. I told Brother Vahaska that a couple times this week. It has to happen. Listen, our world, there, there, there is a divine will of God that has to happen, and, and we're going to be a part of that. But thank God we're living in that great day, right? But when you start looking at this, we're supposed to be crowned with glory and honor, right? And so what that literally means is your life and my life is supposed to be the crowning achievement of an almighty God. Now, I, I, I got a hard time with that. I have a hard time. You know, God created the heaven and the star and the moon and all these planets and, I mean, solar systems that we're not even aware of. He created all of that. I believe that. Everything. And, and yet, <clears throat> little old Jeffrey is his crowning achievement. Because he created me, Brother Sanchez, 
and he created you to be crowned with glory and honor. Not that we would have glory, but that our lives would provide glory and honor to him. So put that in the right perspective. Understand what I'm saying, right? And so our lives should be lived with the sole purpose of bringing, giving, and providing glory and honor to God. Now, the, the writer in Hebrews says it this way. Hang with me just for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He said, speaking of, uh, of Jesus Christ, thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all, all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. He's talking prophetically, right? But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for us. So we're talking about the majesty of God, the love of God that are all ascribed to, his, ascribed to his name. Now we're talking about the grace of God that can only be ascribed to the great name, right, of God, right? Listen, nobody else, has, nobody else can give you unmerited favor like God can. And so when he's talking about this, look at this. David said of humanity, you're supposed to be crowned with glory and honor, or we're supposed to crown God with glory and honor, right? He said of Jesus. His life purpose was to crown God with glory and honor, right? And so we kind of get that, right? And so in other words, what the psalmist is talking about in, in, in Psalms 8, he says, listen, this humanity that's fallen needs a Savior. And so it needs one who would take the punishment for the ones who deserved it. So it was the grace of God, we understand this, that sent Jesus to redeem us. And so by raising him by, from the dead, right? So Paul teaches this, right? He teaches us this. That the name of the Lord is the dominion of all dominions. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 9 through 11. You know this, you know the scripture. But I want to tie this together and, and hopefully it'll make some sense to you. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him a name. We're talking about the excellence of the name, which is above every name. It's above Jeff's name, it's above Frank, it's above Paul, Peter, John, Tom, Sally, Sue, right? And that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so I've given you three different places, Psalms 8 and 5, mankind is crowned with glory and honor, honor right? The crowning achievement. In Hebrews chapter 2, Jesus is the crowning with glory and honor. In Philippians chapter 2, Jesus' name was exalted to a place that whatever is said or done in that name will ultimately bring honor and glory to an almighty God. And so the grace of God that has been revealed through the name of Jesus has the ability to restore to us the dominion and the rule and the authority that God intended. What are you talking about, Brother Roberts? I'm talking about this. We're living below our privilege. Oh, we love it. We're going to probably, we're singing that song. We're mad to go. We're singing that song today. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, right? We're singing that song. And we're going, oh, the name. But when we start singing that song today, I want you to have a different perspective. The name of the Lord is not just a strong tower. It's a dominion. David said, how excellent is the name. And he begins to ascribe it to majesty and glory, and he ascribes it to love, but he brings it down to this place where only the grace of God. He said at the mention of his name, every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess. Whether they want to or not, they're going to have to do it, right? So what, what does that mean to, uh, for us, Brother Junior? It means this, that when you speak the name of Jesus, he said, let everything you do, whether in word or in deed, let it all be done 
in the name of the Lord. The name of Jesus has so much intrinsic power that when we call upon the name, listen, this drove David to a place of worship. He didn't even, he didn't even say, come with me and worship God. He said, this is so astounding, so enormous, so mighty, so great that you just, you just got to worship God because why? Because the grace of God that is tied to his name, all these attributes, when you think when I, when, I, when I think of Brother Moises, what would I think of? I'm going to think of some things different than Sister Angie would. Why? Because she knows him at a different level than I do. I think, man, he's a tall, good-looking guy. She might think, you know, he's a slob. He won't pick his clothes up. I, I, I don't know. I, no? She might have a lot of different things. She has got a different knowledge than I do. Okay. Brother Moses, I'm not trying to pick on you. Okay, But understand. Here's what I'm saying. When the world thinks of Jesus, they know, oh, yeah, he was a babe in a manger. They know, yeah, he's the Savior of the world. Oh, they know he forgives sins. But what do we think about? Here, listen to what I'm talking about. What do you think about when you say the name of Jesus? David stepped back and said, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He said, there's nothing greater than this. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more anointed. He talks about the power and dominion of heaven and the infant baby. And if we're not careful, we can try to get our high-level view. Because we go to church. We pay tithes. We, we worship like Pentecostals. And we can look down and go, I don't know. Not sure God can handle that one. That one's tough. I don't know. When are we going to understand what David understood without the full revelation of who Jesus Christ was? When are we going to understand the real true power that we have when they call upon the, listen, when we operate in faith and we call upon the name of Jesus, it can literally move a mountain. My mind. Your mind cannot pick up the idea of moving a mountain. Well, we're going to need a bunch of backhoes and some, a bunch of trucks and we're going to get a train or two. We're trying to figure out. God don't have that problem. He just wants us to believe how great his name is. When we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Why? What? Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, Why? Do it in the name. Why? Because there is greatness ascribed to that name. There's favor. That's what grace is. It's unmerited favor that's been granted to you that you don't deserve, that you can't earn. And so, listen, when we lay hands on somebody elders, we anoint with oil, it's just oil. It'll still stain the clothes. It'll still make your forehead greasy all day long. But if you... But when we operate... Under that name in faith, there's dynamic power that nothing else on this earth can provide. No doctor, no lawyer, no government. No. Hear what I'm saying. The powerful name. David said, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And everybody's going, Dave, what are you talking about? He said, I've seen the greatness of God from his great majesty all the way down to an infant. I could never in my mind imagine how God could take an infant and change the world. But here it is in the Bible as plain as day. I could never in my mind understand why God would step away from the work of the universe and go, what'd you have for dinner last night, son? 
What's going on with that bill, daughter? What's going on with this situation in your life? I can't, under, I can't wrap my mind around it, but according to the Word of God, that's exactly who He is. I can never understand how my life can bring glory and honor to a God who sits on a throne in heaven. But according to the Word of God, that's exactly what He has ordained my life to be and your life to be. And you come in and you feel like, man, I've had a rough week or a rough day or a rough month and I've blown it, I've done this and I've done that. God can't love me, God doesn't love me or whatever you feel, however you think. But you've got to understand something. You've got a name that is above every other name. You've got power and authority and anointing and dominion. Oh man, that's great. No, no, no. I want you to get the perception and the concept. David just sandwiches this in there. I, I can imagine David in his palace gets up and he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't, grab my, I can't wrap my mind around this. Why are you so interested in humankind? I'm tired of these people. Whining, crybabies, won't do what they're supposed to do. Don't. Be honest. I'm just, and David said, this is your handiwork. Everybody else has gone to bed for the night, and you're out there fixing on this and working on this behind the scenes. And we have such a hard time saying, God, God can do this or God can do that. And God can, listen, God can do anything that God wants to do, but he wants you and I to believe that he can do it. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. How do I, how do I show I believe it? By asking Is it that simple? It's that simple. An amazing psalm just stuck right out there. The only psalm, really, one of the only psalms where the, the writer doesn't ask us to do anything. He's kind of overwhelmed. He's like, I can't believe this. This is so great. The name of the Lord is so majestic, so glorious, and changes and has such a great effect. And we're going to come into a Pentecostal church and we're going to say, oh, the name of the Lord, and you're going to clap. And you're, but if you would exercise faith, while you're calling on that name, who knows what life could be changed at that altar today? Who knows what decision will be made in that baptismal tank today? We don't understand. We don't know the enormity. And that's why I'm trying to, that's why I'm trying to help us understand that every time we come together, right, where two or three are gathered together in my, who's there in the midst? That's the enormity of it. Well, Steve, we get together to have a cup of coffee. We start talking about the goodness of God. He just, you imagine that? God, don't you have some calamity on the other side of the universe? <laughs> I got time for you too. You ladies get together, start talking about it. And God says, you know what? I'm going to show up right there. I got time for that. I want you to understand how great God is and how majestic God is and how powerful God is. Stand with me this morning. Lift a hand. Can you just thank him for the greatness of his name? All those titles mean so much. All those titles did so much. But they don't tell the whole story of his majesty. They don't tell the story of his love. They don't tell the story of his grace. They don't tell the enormity of his power and ability. But when we call upon the name of the Lord, when we talk about the greatness and the power and the excellency of his name, it can make a real difference in our world. 
Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you. We praise you. God, we magnify you. We lift up the name that is above every name, Lord. God, I want my life to crown you with glory. I want my heart and my spirit and my mind, Lord, to bring honor to you somehow today, God. As we enter into our worship services, we move forward today. I pray, Lord, your anointing, your power, your authority, and your grace upon everything that's done today in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him some praise. Amen. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www livinghopemd.com so I'm gonna wait on you Jesus I'm gonna wait on you Jesus